Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, I'm excited. If you'd like to look at your sermon notes, welcome to our Unshakable series. And let me ask you this. Has anyone here felt like your life has been shaken up a little bit lately? Maybe kind of like one of those pecan tree shakers. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe it's in the area of your finances, your, your marriage, your family, your faith. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. Maybe like never before. Many people feel their life has drifted. And they almost feel like a, a log going towards Niagara Falls. I don't know where this is going, but I'm, I'm afraid. And, and many people are, are experiencing incredible loss. You know about that. And things are being shaken. You know, even in the church, since the pandemic began, I read that 70,000 churches in America have shut, closed. And things have been shaken up. And, and it's not only a season where there is obviously the, uh, the outward calamities, but there's another shaking going on. It's the culture. Moving Christians to compromise with the negative culture, to, to give up their, their convictions, and to just go with the flow of a world that, how many know our world is more negative towards Christian faith than it's ever been? A world that belittles our beliefs and just says, uh, that's, that's not relevant anymore. One person told me, I, I sometimes feel out in the world like the world wants to shame me, tame me, and reclaim me. But how many say that the world can't have me? <laughs> Jesus has me. And yet, if we don't know how, we could get soaked into values that end up undermining our, our families and our walk with God. And people have asked some of these questions. You know, how can I keep from having anxiety take over? How can I raise my kids in this world without them becoming part of the world. P parents are telling me, I'm afraid my kids are gonna just turn from the faith. How do I share my faith when people don't wanna hear it, I feel like? These are some of the questions that we wanna talk about in, in this series uh, called Unshakable, How to Thrive in Chaos. And, and the, the beautiful news is, what I wanna tell you, Isaiah 59, 19 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord's gonna raise a standard. When, when it seems like the world, the devil and the flesh is gonna take us out, God says, I'm gonna take you up. I am for you, I am with you. And, and God says, I wanna use this time to get your life on a firm foundation. How many are thankful that Jesus is the rock that doesn't roll? <laughs> I mean, pandemics are going to come, pandemics are going to leave, nations are going to rise, nations are going to fall, wars are going to come, wars are going to fall, craziness is going to come, craziness is going to fall, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The Bible says all hell will come against the gates of the church, but they will not prevail because I am for the church. 
And God says, I am not nervous and I am not shaking. And I want to be your rock. And I want to put your life on. Look at this verse, Matthew 7, 24. Matthew 7, 24. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Somebody say, puts them into practice. (laughs) It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall. You're not going to fall if your foundation is the rock. In Hebrews 12, 27, it speaks of the end times, and it says, In the end times, everything will be shaken except that which cannot be shaken. And that which cannot be shaken will remain. And, and what God is saying here is if there's things that have gotten shaken in your life and fallen apart, it's because they weren't on the rock of God's word. And, and, and he's saying, I want you to restructure your life. If you'll get it out from over here, your opinions and, and how you've always done it. You know, well, I've always done it this way. Well, how is that working for you? And if you'll say, no, I, that's not, I need to get it back on God. He says, you'll be able to build a life that no matter what storm comes, you will not be shaken. Now, I was reading this, people who study crises, wars, what happens after hurricanes, all these kinds of things, because we've been in a crisis. And I found this so interesting. One thing they say, every crisis brings change. And and there, there are four things that change, for sure. People's habits, people's emotions, people's relationships, and people's perspectives. Let me just ask you a question. Anybody recognize that in these last two years, some of those things have have changed? (laughs) Some of your habits or emotions. And, And the issue is interesting that though some things change... If you look at it, wherever there is crisis, for every place where it changes for the negative, some people it changes for the positive. Some people in the pandemic, their habits went to pot. <laughs> and they, they, they went back into their addictions. They, they started hating each other in their marriage, whatever. But there are some people, I know them. Their habits got better than they've ever been. 30% of people in church quit going to church and most of them quit watching online and anything. But do you know what I know? I know some people here this morning, they started coming to church and they have grown in fellow. And some of them even watching online said, well, I can't be there, but I am there every week. I am in this. And what messed up somebody's habit of fellowshipping in the Lord has caused some people to say, I'm stronger in my fellowship than I've ever been before. You're going to change. You're not going to be the same person. But God says you can be a better person. Your business, whatever it has been shaken, God says this is a great time. Get it on the rock (laughs) that never moves. Get to the place where I can bless you. Even right now, did you know where 
these churches are closed. Did you know there's revival? My son Jason just said, I just met with this guy from Portugal who in the last two years, they have over 400 churches that have been planted. We're going to rent a stadium, a 62,000 square foot. We call it Transform Europe. We're calling Europe to revival. Hallelujah. Well, wait a second. I thought there's a pandemic in Europe. I thought it's going to pot. No, it's going to pot. But the church of God that believes God's word is on the move. When I was a little kid, I learned a song that I sang. And I, I may do hymn lessons. That's my next class. Let it, you know. And I've just been singing this. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. His kingdom must not suffer loss. It's not time to fall apart. It's not time to give up. It's time to stand up and say, this is our hour. This book of Daniel is the book on how to thrive in chaos. It's just such an incredible book. 2,600 years ago, the nation Israel, Judah, was judged by God because of their idolatry. And Nebuchadnezzar, this Babylonian king, came and he destroyed, he took 25% of the people into captivity back to what's now modern-day Iraq, Babylon. And he took certain ones that were like the cream of the crop. He, he, he especially focused on the intellectual elite because he wanted to be sure that Israel never rose up again. And, and he, he kidnapped them and put them into service. One of them was this, this guy, Daniel, Along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were the best looking, and they were the smartest. They were the Harvard scholars, all that. Now, I want you to just get a picture of this, because this is incredible as we study it. He's 15 years old. His whole world blows up. He'll never see his parents again. Everything he knows is destroyed. Immediately, you're going to say, well, there is a trauma story. That poor kid, man, he just must have been a lost kid for the, oh, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Daniel, starting at 15 years old, he rises in a way that's unbelievable. He, he doesn't just survive. I mean, he becomes the, the chief of staff for King Nebuchadnezzar. He leads two king, kings to God. He endures for 70 years. He brings revival. He takes a nation that's anti-God, pagan, full of idols, and he, in the midst of it, turns the heart of a king to serving the Lord. He is instrumental in one of the greatest miracles of history, getting the nation of Israel back home after 70 years. He does this all with no authority, a simple person with a big God. And you can read how he did this. And that's what we want to study. And I'm just telling you, the book of Daniel is so cool. I mean, you want drama, you want miracles, you want, whoo, intrigue. This is better than the Avengers, Star Wars. I don't know what you like. But this is real, folks. This is real, okay? And, and what I want to share this is that as we study Daniel, God is going to do something incredible in people's lives. 
He's going to rebuild your foundations. He's going he's to say, here's where, here's where your attitude, this is where your choices need to be. If you get over here, your marriage is never going to fall apart. How many would like to live a life that doesn't fall apart? If you get over here, your finances are not going to go to pot, all right? This is where this works, this thing called life works. And so we want to study this. And one of the things, I love to teach and preach Bible, uh, books of the Bible because it's a chance, it's a chance for you not only to hear some sermons, but to get a book of Bible under your belt. I want Daniel to become part of you. I want it to become, I want Daniel to be your therapist, all right? I want you to get this book. I want you to read it enough times so that for the rest, this is like putting a million dollars into a, an IRA. This is gonna cause a return. Unbelievable. If you get the word of God, it'll, it'll make you wiser than other people. It'll make you stronger. And it'll bring favor. Here's somebody in the midst of a hostile environment who has the favor of God. He gets promoted six times. He, he, everything he does turns to gold. How many know God loves to put favor on his people? You know, Proverbs 16, 7 says, if a man's ways really please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. Even the people who hate what you believe will still promote you because they'll see that there's something about you that makes everything better. And they'll say, I don't want to hear another word about God, but you need to be in charge of my finances. Because <laughs> when the other guy was, it was bad. Now I'm just getting blessed. Wow. Because you have a Daniel anointing. You have wisdom that's supernatural and favor. So I'd like to ask you to be all in for 40 days. We call this a spiritual growth campaign. Take 40 days of your year and say, I am going to intentionally grow like I've never grown. <laughs> and, and, and that involves many things. Obviously, come to church, but I'd love for you to do more. Read and reflect every day in the Word. And so again, take that QR code. The, this uh, Daniel, Far From Home, it's an, you'll read through the whole book of Daniel in 40 days, but you'll also get... The, an incredible commentary that will help you understand the details of that book. If you want, you can get my sermon summaries and, and just tools. That's all we want to help you grow. But the uh, big deal is the, the, the special sauce, as it were, is to be a part of a transformation table. When you actually discuss the Bible with other people, it goes to a whole other level. And so if you can't come to one of these, start your own. Get your spouse or your neighbor and say, could we study it? We'll send you the tools. But just go deep and, and then really invite somebody. That's what these were for. Say, hey, would you like to, to come and learn how to have an unshakable life? <laughs> and, and hey, maybe you'd like to come over to my house and study the book of Daniel. What if God wants to bring someone to Christ through you this, this year? Uh, and then... We're going to do things like out. We're going to do outreaches to the exiles. We're going to do it to the refugees. We're going to help build stuff for Palomas refugees. We're going to minister to those right in our own backyard, some Afghans, others. We're going to see what it was like to be a Daniel. So anyhow, those are some things you can take advantage. Today, I want to introduce just the first uh, point of how you thrive in chaos. And that's very simple. What we learn from Daniel 
is you thrive when you refuse to compromise your convictions and choose to stand up for God instead of follow the crowd. Here here is is what we're going to see today. That the people who don't get shaken down, they're the people when everyone else is bowing to idols, they're standing up. When everyone else is going with the world, they are going with God. They are people who will not compromise. They won't drink the Kool-Aid. They won't believe the lie. They won't do the easy thing. They stand for God. And here's my point today. What Daniel will teach us is when you stand up for God, God shows up in your life. When you stand up for God, God shows up in your life. When you say, yeah, I could become unethical, but I'm gonna stand up. Man, I do finances God's way. I'm not cheating. They'll say, well, I might get fired. Even if you get fired, watch, God will show up in your life. Well, all, all my friends say to go this way. But I don't think God wants me to go with that party. <laughs> oh, no, will I have any friends? Let me tell you. If you stand up, God will show up and take care of your friends. Hallelujah. In every area of your life, and this is my passion today, when you live in a world that wants to tame you and claim you, rename you, we're going to see... <laughs> When you stand up, we're going to see in Daniel's life, God shows up and does unbelievable things for your life. So let's read Daniel 1, 6 to 17. If you have your Bible, we'll read it together to start our study. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, I knew Misa was going to like this one, and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. I'm going to teach on this. But to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach, Azariah, and Abednego. Now, I just want to tell you right right here. Do you know how the enemy turns someone from a Hebrew follower of God into a Babylonian? He goes after your identity. Can I tell you right now? The devil's trying to rename you. He's trying to get you to believe things that are lies about yourself. You know, it's so interesting. Some of those names, if you look at the original uh, meeting, meaning, I, I had them written down here. But for some of them, for example, uh, the name Daniel means God is con- in control. God is sovereign. But the name Belteshazzar means serve the king. Isn't that interesting? Tell this young guy, I'm going to strip you from your home. I'm going to take away everything you're you're used to eating. And I'm going to change your name because you're going to be one of us. But you're going to see Daniel would never change his name. It was very interesting. Uh, Meshach, it means... uh, Something basically to God be the glory. And, and it gets, he gets renamed as incapable, unworthy. <laughs> basically, they give him the name loser. How many know the devil would love to give you a new name? <laughs> Failure, victim, has been, too late for you. But none of them would receive that identity. 
So then they bring them in and they start to give them all the Babylonian buffet. I don't know, anybody ever been to Babylonia buffet? But I mean, it's, it's got all of this for them, what was unkosher food. But listen to what happens. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Somebody say, resolve not to defile yourself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor. There you go again. <laughs> You're gonna see this over and over. Every time he obeys, here's this word, favor. Anybody like the word favor? <laughs> and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And I want you to see what we learn in Daniel is though he doesn't conform to the world, he doesn't condemn the people in the world. He's not marching with the sign. He's never rude. He's never a jerk. He is, he is completely uncompromising and totally polite. He is just like Jesus, full of truth, but full of grace. That's how he changed the world. We're going to learn about that. So he says, just give us a test. Give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. If we could have the next verse. Um, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men and who ate the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to test them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. <laughs> Somebody say healthier. And better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could even understand visions and dreams of all kinds. We're gonna learn today that thriving doesn't just mean that you have character, it means you have the anointing of God. <laughs> Daniel sees miracles. God, I believe, is raising up a church that doesn't just have character, but is anointed to go to Walmart in the power of the Holy Spirit. As one brother told me, he was over at our Walmart and he saw a lady and the Lord said, her, her knee is injured. Go ask if you can pray for her. And right over there at Walmart, near the counter, she said, yes, it's right. I can't hardly walk. And he prayed for her and she was healed at Walmart. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, God is going to put upon your life, not just character, but charisma. You're gonna to start to change every atmosphere if you learn to walk in the Daniel anointing. <laughs> Sound good? Now here's some things I want you to see. Why did Daniel take a stand? Number one, he didn't wanna defile himself. He did not want culture to tame him and claim him. This, this word, and it's so powerful, he said he resolved, which is he decided to choose based on convictions of his heart, not circumstances of his life. The word defile means to pollute. He said, I did not want anyone throwing sewer into my fountain. <laughs> now, can I just tell you honestly, how many know wherever you go today, 
The world's trying to pollute you. You can't hardly watch TV or go on social media, whether it's a pollution of anger, bitterness, lust. The world is trying to slip into you. Why? But Because if they can contaminate you, you will become like them. And Daniel said, I'm not going to be tamed and reclaimed. He decided, I'm not going to conform to the world. I'm going to transform the world. Look at what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That means the world's going that way. You're going that way, okay? Just get used to it. In fact, I was going to give everybody a t-shirt that says, I hold unpopular opinions, just to, go, just to get you out there. Anyhow, just get used to it, okay? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Somebody say transformed. That means radically changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect. Did you know you don't know God's will if you conform to the world? The moment you conform, you become confused. Have you ever known people, why are you doing that? Well, they're conforming to the world. Now they're, they're not pure in heart, and only the pure in heart can see God. The, the, the compromised person begins to call good bad and bad good. They're all messed up. Why? Because they didn't keep their heart pure. And Daniel said, I am going to be pure. How many know in this world, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything, <laughs> right? If you don't go to, the, to your work or wherever, and you haven't decided, I know who I am, <laughs> someone's going to try to make you who they are. <laughs> Can I just tell you a fallacy? The world is trying to convince you that you need a private faith. That's just your private faith. You know Why? Because when you put your lamp under, your candle under the lampstand or the bushel box, it goes out. Some people live their life with a hidden faith. I, well, yes, I believe, but that's, that's, that's private. I learned a long time ago, if, you, if, you don't, if people don't know what you stand for, you will much quicker compromise what you stand for. But if you, from the very beginning, say, uh, here's who I am. The moment in my life that shifted when I was in high school, I was so afraid of rejection, I was completely Belteshazzar instead of Daniel. <laughs> they had renamed me. And one day I said, I can go this way through high school but I felt in my heart I had a bigger call. I felt that I was supposed to do something big for God. And I could never change the world if I was like the world. And if I just kept quiet, I would, I would survive. I'd go through school, whatever. But I didn't want to just survive. There was something I was supposed to do. And I'll never forget the day... You know, I wore the T-shirt. Jesus is Lord. I, I brought the family Bible. It was about this big. People like scattered in the hall. Ooh, freak, freak. And I just smiled. I said, I'm going to save you. They go, oh, you know. 
But it wasn't, it wasn't just that I was weird. I was very weird. But it was <laughs> that defined me, defined what parties I got invited to, <laughs> what friends I had. I just went ahead and put the lamp on the lampstand. Hey, world. Dale Walker is a bold follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what he stands for, and he loves you, and he cares about you more than anybody. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to hate you. He's going he's to serve you, because that's who he is. And God did an incredible thing in the school. Number two, he understood that being faithful to convictions when, with little things are at stake prepares you to be faithful later when bigger things are at stake. Now, some people say, this is so trivial, what foods you eat. But, but the point really wasn't rules. The point was identity. Are you going to be a Babylonian? <laughs> the point is conformity. And when you start to follow God, let me just tell you, you need to figure out those convictions about things. There's many things that the Bible doesn't say black and white. But you have to know for you where God wants you to be faithful. Because if you're not faithful, later on, Daniel's gonna be tested big time, like fed to the lion tested. But because he was faithful with little values, and he wouldn't compromise on little things, he didn't compromise later when he was tempted with big things. Some of the issues, when you become a full-on follower of God, people won't understand. Maybe it's about modesty. And it's not a matter of this is the Bible or not. This is just what you believe. You're fighting for your sexual purity, and so this, this is how I dress to do that. Or, or, or just places you won't go. You're on your sobriety, and you just say, I don't drive on that street ever, ever. Well, that's weird. That's legal. No, it's not legalistic. It's, it's my identity. It's, it's things that the people don't understand, but what you're laying down is a core of values that will hold you steady when the world tries to tempt you. This couple, I love their story. Uh, Chris and Tammy was their name, and they got saved like they're 15. They're radical for Jesus. And they made this purity thing. I don't know if any of you ever got the purity stand, you know, or whatever. But they decided, not only would they not have sex, not only would they be a virgin when they're going to get married, but they just decided, the first kiss I ever have with a person of the opposite sex will be with my spouse on my wedding night. I mean, no, that's kind of radical. <laughs> well, sure enough, they meet, they fulfill that vow. Today, they're amazing. Five kids just serving God, doing great things. And, and I loved what he said. I said, well, what was it like? He says, well, the best part of it was in Tammy's world, he said, I'm the best kisser in the world that she has ever known. <laughs> I love it. In other words, yes, that seems prudish. No, it's not about prudish. It's about purpose. It's about I am not like the world because I am a world changer. So yes, I don't do anything like the world because I've got kingdom values. Because that's the world I called to. He didn't hold fast to his identity for rules, but to fulfill his greater purpose. 
I love this verse in Hebrews eleven twenty four. if we could read it. This just describes it. Why does someone live a pure life? If it's just because you're going to be a good girl or a good boy, it doesn't work. Well, I'm going to be a good person. You won't make it that way. The reason you're pure is because you know you were sent for a purpose. Daniel from day one knows, I am here not to survive. I am here to save a nation. And because of his purpose, he lived in purity. But look what Moses says. But Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. See, if you don't have a prize, you won't stay pure. But here was the prize for Moses. Yeah, I could be Pharaoh, but I could know God. And I could lead a nation. Yeah, I'll give up those fleeting pleasures because I have a bigger purpose in my life. I'm gonna raise a family that serves the Lord. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be someone in my community that anyone trusts. I'm gonna be known in the business world as the person who always keeps his word. I'm gonna be the one that's known as the one who cares for the poor. I'm, I'm gonna be the one, the world's gonna know me. I fight for justice. I, I'm the prayer warrior. If you ever need prayer, I know where you go to because that's who she is. When you are in the world, you have three roles you get to choose from because you can't change the world if you're a part of the world, right? So one, you can be a member of the world and that means you're gonna compromise. Number two, you could be a condemner of the world. That means you're gonna be religious. Or number three, you can be a minister to the world. That means you're gonna live for compassion. You know, I just want you to decide who you are going to be and what you're gonna be known. And then make the covenants that you will never change. The Bible says you're to be a pilgrim. You're to be an outlier. You're to be an alien is one word. I don't know, some of us fit that kind of category. <laughs> he says, you are gonna be in this world, but you're never gonna be of this world. That's not who you are. You are a messenger of heaven. You are even a citizen of heaven. Did you know whatever your address on earth, that's not your real address. Hallelujah. Your address is 777 Golden Street Boulevard. <laughs> New Jerusalem Avenue. You are a citizen of God. You're just on a mission trip, very short mission trip. That's all you are here for. It's not your home. Remember who you are. And finally, he believed that if he would stand up, God would show up. And, and this is exactly what happens over and over the word that I had here is that the Christian life all rises and falls with the stands that you take. Everything in life that takes you forward is a stand. Today, Randy took a stand called water baptism. He'll never be the same. Every time you, just think of your life. Every time you went forward, 
How did I get Sharon? I took a stand called marriage. Wow. How do, how do you overcome an addiction? One day you go to a meeting and say, I'm an alcoholic. You take a stand. Everything takes a stand. And if you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. Everyone who's ever made a positive change in the world, it always required they took a stand. If, if the business you run or the place that you live is going to ever change your neighborhood, your family, it will be because you took a stand. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. It always is a stand. You see, you know, the world, we can look at it. There, if there, Martin Luther King Jr. hadn't took a stand, there would be no civil rights. Rosa Parks hadn't took a stand and sat down on that bus. You know, if going back to the other Martin Luther, if he hadn't nailed 95 thesis on a church wall that says, I believe in justification by faith even if I die. And I could go, and I just love history, and I love Athanasius. The church almost went towards heresy, and, and one guy in the council stood up and says, no, Jesus is God. He is not just a man. And they said, Athanasius, you're crazy. Athanasius, Athanasius, the whole world is against you. You know what he did? He stood up and he says, well, if the whole world is against Athanasius, then Athanasius is against the whole world. And he changed the course of history. Sometimes that stand, and I want to ask you today to think as you go, where do I need to take a stand? You know, putting on the armor of God is a stand. It means I choose truth over lies. I choose righteousness over, over compromise. I choose boldness over fear. Everything is a stand. If you want to keep your sanity, you're going to have to stand against the enemy. I'm going to stand against a spirit of fear. You're not going to just get through it by trying and hoping it goes away. The enemy is not going away. Friends, we're in a war. The devil's trying to kill you. And if you don't stand, he wins. Ephesians 6.13 says, having done all that you can do, remember the most important, put the whole armor of God and stand. I just got this testimony from Anne Marie in our church. She was just giving a testimony that something recently happened. She said, recently, during when my husband, daughter, and I got sick with COVID, two days after we had the memorial service for my husband's parents who were lost to COVID, one evening I had to call 911 because my husband couldn't breathe. I was not in a good place physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I was surrounded by fear thinking that my husband wouldn't come home. On the second day that my husband was in the hospital, I was lying in bed feeling sorry for myself, telling the Lord, I don't know what to do. Holding on to a scripture, when I'm weak, I am strong. In a small, assertive voice, I heard the Lord tell me, and you can be pitiful or you can be powerful. Then I knew I had to take authority and put the enemy back in his place under my feet. I took a stand and I said, devil, your time limit is over. Your time of messing with me and my family is over. Somehow there was a break in the spirit. Two days later, my husband came home and we're on the road to recovery now. But do you see that spirit? That is, I won't compromise. 
I know who I am. And just about out of time, but just give you a couple powerful ways to take a stand. Number one, predecide your convictions. Don't wait to the temptation. It's too late. I tell people, when the arrows start flying, it's too late to put on the armor. <laughs> You're already dead. The battle's won before the battle's begun. In, in the sermon prep I'm gonna send you this week, it has a list of, of values. I articulate, here's values. Here's where I stand about marriage, family. I, I believe you need to write your statement. And it, it's you, and it says, there is no question what I do. It's, I, I don't wait till I'm offered that drink or offered that smoke or offered that glance or offered that invitation. I'm not waiting till that moment Done, settled, sealed. I know who I am. See, someone says, many of us have beliefs. Beliefs are something you'll argue for. Convictions are something you die for. Some of you, your preference is to be a Christian, but it's not your character yet. And you know what the pandemic showed? See, crisis doesn't cause bad things. It reveals bad things that are never settled. And God says, see that part of your character? It never got fixed, but you can fix it today. I remember the whole issue of whether I was gonna tithe, and I would give, and, and one day I lost my job, and I didn't have enough money, and, and all of a sudden I said, well, I guess I'm not tithing now, and, and, and all of a sudden it was so clear from the Lord. Dale, is tithing something you do because it's a good idea, or is tithing who you are? Have you settled that issue or is it still, are you still voting on whether you're tithing or not? Then you will find reasons the rest of your life not to tithe. And I remember I just got that paycheck, I got that, my, my checkbook and I wrote the tithe. I didn't have, to, you know, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to pay this bill but I just said, you know what, God, I have settled this. This is not a cool belief I have. This is my conviction. Dale and Sharon Walker are tithers. Sent in the tithe. Two days later, I got a job, covered all the bills, never have been late on a bill or anything like that. But it, the question is, when I stood up, God showed up. Whatever that is, I'm asking you, is your faith a preference or is it a conviction? That's what it means to get on the rock settling things and then finally it means standing up with the scripture there's one way the bible says that you won't fail and that is if your whole life is built on the words of jesus what does that mean that means you need to be reading the bible every day or listening what i love about these bible plays you can just listen if you don't have time to read all you got to do is push a button and listen to it on the way to work and you say, well, I don't get much out. I, I, you may, I, di I didn't feel a whole lot when they put the cement foundation in my house. But we've lived there 25 years and it's never fallen apart. Every time you're in the word, you're pouring the cement. You're pouring it deep in inside of your character and you don't even see it. 
It's like, in, it's like putting a million dollars in an IRA. It's creating interest for you. You don't even understand it. But in the moment of struggle where you would have gone with the motion, instead of you go with your character because the word of God is strong inside of you. And then secondly, you need to use the word. How did Jesus overcome the, the enemy? It is written. Let me tell you, when you become unshakable, when you know the word so well that no matter what the devil throws at you, you immediately have a scripture. The devil isn't impressed with your ideas. I don't want to do that. But he is scared to death of the word of God. And Jesus says, take a two-edged sword. One is for you, the other side's for the devil. That's why you got a two-edged sword. And the devil comes with these lies. Remember how he did with Eve? Has God really said? Well, everybody else is doing it. And you gotta follow your heart. And, and you gotta do you. And, and, and you know, how can it be wrong if it feels so right? And you say, devil, the wages of sin is still death. And he, and he tries to put the label, you're so unworthy. I, I am a child of God. It is written, there is no condemnation in me. And the word that you stand on defeats the attack that tries to undermine you. And we're going to learn how to do that. And finally, know that grace always provides a way back. And I'm going to invite Deanna has a, a great test, just a quick testimony to close, but she can come up. And Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. You may have said, well, pastor, I have blown convictions and I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I can do this. And Can I tell you, the moment you say, I'm coming back, God, the Bible says you're forgiven. You're, you're just as if you're back on track. And some of you may have fallen in this pandemic. Guess what? Today you can get on the rock. So De Deanna, tell us what the Lord did for you. Okay, um, I'm going to try to do it really, really quick, and I'm kind of nervous, church. So um, I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that this testimony of what God is doing in my life um, would encourage you that he could do the same if you let him. Keyword: if you let him. So 2020 was a year of exposure for many of us. Our greatest fears became our realities. As the world qu quickly shut down, I felt my heart shut down from God as well. Um, I still did the religious thing. I came to church, as many of you saw. I volunteered, yet my heart was stone cold. Um, all my works were dead, and nothing I did helped. The year quickly came and left, and as 2021 rolled around, I decided um, I actually did what I had never done before. So to understand the significance of this decision, you must understand a little bit of part of my background. I was raised in a Christian home, um, and my mom was very, very strict. I grew up during the charismatic movement in the 90s, as many of you in this room did as well. My mom would pray for us for hours. She would fast for 21 to 40 days at a time. Um, we were in every prayer meeting. We were in every service. We were at every prayer vigil. And I grew up with this performance mentality. If I did more, God would be happy and he would approve of me. All throughout my teenage years and early adult years, I abstained from many worldly things, not from holy surrender, but because I had a fear of disappointing God. The religious spirit in me were, was empowered by all my good works. To put it frank, 
I thought myself better than most people. You see, I had two sisters, and I have, my, I have an older sister and a younger sister. My older sister was in an abusive relationship um, for many years, a domestic violence situation, and my younger sister was, um, had dated her way through high school. So since I had never been on their level, I was better than them, quickly, of course, because I had never fallen to that degree. March 2021 came around. So I decided to get in a relationship with the Muslim man. I knew that my decision did not honor God, but I did it anyways. And I was going to live my life however I wanted. It was the beginning of the end. The way it ended was really terrible. This person would openly laugh at me. He would mock me. He would mock my faith. He told me that I didn't know anything about my religion and Allah was the true way. I ended that relationship September of 2021. When he saw that I was serious about ending up, um, breaking up, he actually went to my work and caused a scene. And the irony in this is that I work at the courthouse. So in the same place where I work, I was filing paperwork on a restraining order for my ex. The tables quickly shifted and I was labeled in my courthouse by my own peers, a victim of domestic violence. I was, oh, <laughs> I was going through a really hard time the first few weeks without him. And my older sister happened to stop by on a Saturday morning. My relationship had isolated me from my family. So when my older sister came to my house, I really needed somebody to talk to. We both talked about our experiences in a domestic violence and abusive relationship. We cried like babies for three hours. And I asked my older sister for forgiveness. <laughs> I don't want to cry. Um, for all the mean and ugly things I had said to her over the years, every instance I had judged her, that I had put her down, every condescending and judgmental conversation I ever had, to over, um, had spoken to her over the years, and this is where it gets good. After the three hours, I felt like I was free. I was finally free from the religious spirit. I realized that she was not better than me, nor I was better than her. Since that God moment on that Saturday morning, I had had many other moments of surrender. I completely yielded, to, yielded my life to God a few months ago, and I've never looked back. God has brought me into this, his presence, thank you, with cords of love after I had backslid for six months. His loving kindness had brought me back to this house. He washed me clean and he forgave me. And I worship now, and I'm able to raise clean hands. And you don't know how much that means unless you've been on the other side. <laughs> I'm able to live a free and a sincere life. I'm able to get counseling and be um, open and vulnerable about my, about my struggles. The work is not finished in my life, but the process of regeneration has started. My sister and my relationship is a much better place. And it took a domestic violence situation to humble me. And oh boy, was I humbled. God needed to break the yoke of performance off of me. He needed to break, to give me a heart of flesh again. He took the scales off my eyes. And now I can do my job with compassion to the people who come to our counter in the clerk's window. God is the God of the impossible. He honors your faith. He meets your obedience. If you take a baby to step towards him, he runs to meet you in the field because God is the prodigal father.
He is writing his story in our lives because he wants to make history with us. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't believe the devil. He's the father of lies and there's no truth in him. Dream again, believe again, trust again, be vulnerable again, and yield in holy surrender because you will not be disappointed. And as I prepared to share this with you, church, the Holy Spirit showed me that there's a lot of people in this room that have been disappointed. And the Holy Spirit is here, and he wants to wash all of our disappointments. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there's freedom in this house, and he is here to meet you at the altar if you're ready. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's stand, please. Just want to close with a prayer. Ask the worship team to come. I wrote this prayer, and just as we start this 40-day journey, Jesus, you are the rock of ages. Kingdoms rise and fall. Seasons change, things come, things go. But you are always the same. You always forgive. You always restore. You always heal. You have a plan that you will fulfill. You have a hope and a future. God, we don't want to just keep going as survivors. We want to find hope today. To put our life back on track. On the rock that never rolls. We pray that wherever we have compromised, and all of us somehow have, I have others have in some way, that today we bring that to the blood of Jesus and say, Lord, we let it go. That's who we were. That's not who we are. We lay aside greed or lust, hate, resentment, despair, unclean thoughts, the hits, the drinks, the looks, the smokes, the conversations, the impurity, the cheat, whatever it is. And we ask that you give us a clean heart and a new start. We come, Lord. We're not going to just be a part of this world anymore. We're going to be the lights of the world. A city on a hill. The salt that's so different. It changes the flavor and the atmosphere. We're going to break the labels and the lies that have caused us to become like the world, tamed, claimed, and shamed. We're going to take your word as the sword of the Spirit, and we're going to stand. We're going to choose our convictions, and we're going to stand over despair, fear, over lies. And we believe that when we stand up, You're going to show up in our hearts and our families and in our world. And as we close, I'm going to invite our prayer teams. There's something about standing with a friend. There's something about when someone else says the amen, I'm with you, friend, that makes a commitment stronger and makes a change surer. So if you just need to make some commitment to the Lord, please stay after and come and let us pray with you. Just say, I just, I'm just taking a stand today. I'm standing up for Jesus.
I'm standing up for the life I think he wants me to live. And it'll change you. We bless you as you go. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be who you are, the lights of your world. The salt that tastes different and that changes its atmosphere. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.